0: all right all right all right here we go welcome to another episode of cream city dreams where we talk to inspiring milwaukee women who inspire us and hopefully inspire you we're your
1: hosts megan schultz and shelly roeder and we're so happy you're here (laughs) hold on to your banana seats we have a guest (laughs) for you today we are
0: coasting in to another interview. Oh my gosh, Shelly, I don't know about you, but my wheels were spinning after this Ooh, conversation. My legs were pumping. <laughs> In today's episode, we are talking with Lai King Moy. Some of you may know her as the bike maven.
1: She's a mom and a bicycling activist. And a community connector in all
0: things, really. Bikes, of course, but other things as well. She is an incredible connector. And even if you're not a bike person or wouldn't consider yourself a bike person, maybe even haven't ridden a bike since you were seven, this interview will have your wheels spinning. We guarantee it.
1: There are so many trails of wisdom to follow from this conversation for anyone. And you know what? I totally want to start riding bikes more after this. So who knows? (laughs) Maybe this will turn our city into a little Amsterdam, which was the inspiration. Yes,
0: all right. Well, let's switch gears from these silly metaphors and get on with our interview with Liking Moy. Here she is.
2: I think first and foremost, I am a mom, and which is how I identify it in these days because everything is around these kids. But I'm also a community connector. I'm a, a cycling advocate. I'm a serial volunteer. I can't help myself; it's a sickness. You ask, I'm going to be like, yes, we can do this. <laughs> do we need new volunteers. Call
0: Liking; she'll do it. <laughs> yeah, and if not,
2: she'll find you ten people that can because she knows ten people that are interested in your whatever task you got going on. Yep, um, that's true. <laughs> because I really feel like I like to support people's missions, and if they have it in them to ask and figure out a way, like I want, I want to make that happen for them. I want to help them, and if I don't have those skills or I don't have the time. I try to find ways to connect them with people that I do know can help them and have similar goals and passions.
0: Listeners, you are, you will hear throughout this interview what a connector is and sounds like and does. Like sh- you will you will hear that. But we wanted to know how is a connector. Like, are you just born a connector? Is it something that you develop? Is it something that if you don't have it, too bad? And it was really interesting to hear from Lai King, like when we asked her, where do you think this comes from? She told us a little bit about, about her childhood.
2: I will say that I probably have been this way my whole life. I can't really remember the early days, <laughs> but my dad will always say that my my gift was I was born with the gift of hustle. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. And my parents had a Chinese restaurant, a family business growing up. And I used to take the bus from my home into Minneapolis after school to help them there and work there. And, uh, you know, as any family businesses, you have to help, right? Mm. So I grew up talking to all sorts of people, answering the phone at the restaurant, running the cash register, helping cooking in the kitchen and like interacting with, I was a kid, You know, because I mean, that was what we did after school, go to the restaurant because that's where Mm -hmm. my parents were Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, get to meet like random people and just being able to, to talk with them, you know, like that, that exchange that I would have with customers was like three minutes or so. Right. And so in three minutes and every week, you know, one day a week, I I'd really get to know people and you kind of get to, I guess, practice acting with people in a short amount of time. And I think anybody can become a connector. You just got to find your way to, you got to find your place, like find what's you're passionate about and then find other people that are like-minded and then networks just grow. It's exponential. Yeah. But you have to be okay with like some weirdness, right? (laughs) There's always a little bit of like. (laughs)
0: Awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But
2: um Yeah, I do think that that's probably where a lot of this came from, is just having lots of small interactions over time and then just finding people that you jive with.
1: The two things that I take away from this that I just really appreciate are that one, it's about practicing the small skill of having interactions with people, which will require the ability to get over some awkwardness, the ability to deal with small talk. But then the second part of like knowing what you're passionate about and finding ways to talk to people about it. I just what we'll find in this interview is she's passionate about bikes and she finds a way to connect people to bikes. And where did that come from? A trip to Amsterdam where she realized, wow, the world could look really different. Milwaukee does not look like this. And I want to bring this back to my city and find ways to make it more bike accessible and bike friendly and just a more lovely place to live.
0: Yeah. I mean, she said she loved biking as a kid, right? She loved biking as a kid and then took her bike to college in Boston and then Chicago when they moved there. But it was really in Milwaukee where she, it feels like where she really began that connecting through the bicycling community. And she did that through first a smaller organization of women bikers and then one that she ended up co-founding, right? With 10 other women.
2: I'm also involved with a group that I co-founded called Cadence Cycling. And this is really, Cadence is really focused on like empowering women on the bike, but there's also a social aspect and there's also an advocacy aspect of it. And so we do a lot of volunteering for things to really just make sure that uh, more people feel safe and educated about cycling um, and know the different resources that are available to them to help them. Ride safer and better in whichever discipline or area they're in. So we're all over Southeast. Well, I shouldn't say all very Milwaukee centric, but we go, we have members that live out um, in Lake County and then further north in Ozaki, and really just attending events and like city information events where, you know, when they're asking for public input on how they can make, you know, roads better or you know, bike parking, all, all these different things. You really encourage our members to be a part of that process if it affects them in their neighborhood. And I think that we've been able to create quite an impact mm. by just having like bike savvy people really knowing like, Hey, these are concerns and opportunities for you to speak up in your community. Yeah.
0: How many women are um, involved in Cadence now? Oh, like a hundred
2: something membership comes and goes. I mean, predominantly we're, we're there to ride bikes together. But because of that, we've been able to create this wonderful network of people that bike people are just great (laughs) and they come from all sorts of um, different walks of life. And and that's part of this community connecting, right? Like you get to you spend this time with somebody, you're riding 20 miles, you have great conversations about what they do when they're not on the bike or, or, you know, or talking about the areas in which we're riding through and what we see, what we can do to Mm. help if we need to. We're also very involved in helping out in different charity rides that happen around Milwaukee. Um, The biggest one would be like a view ride for the arts, which benefits, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know, the United performing arts fund. Um, That's something that we love to be a part of.
0: It really feels like cadence. Maybe not was the beginning because I think this has been there all along for liking, but was a really big part in Her beginning to look at the barriers that exist for women, uh, women of color, especially to getting into biking.
2: I realized, hey, this is a thing. I'm not the only person that wants to ride with other women. And from that, it became even more than just riding bikes. Like, hey, we should be able to fix our own flats and do this stuff. We shouldn't need to be at the mercy of dudes. (laughs) Like, hey, come change my flat or like I need to fix my bike. And there's a mechanic in the shop just I always felt like it was a little bit like a used car salesman guy. Like I wasn't sure what I was getting. I felt like I was getting hustled and I really didn't know enough about it. And so I kind of made it part of my mission to be like, Hey, we can ride bikes together. We can do all this stuff and we could fix our own bikes and we mm-hmm. can be independent. And, um, out of that grew like more like, you know what, we can do all sorts of things. We can be bike commuters and we can, you know, so, um, that's how I kind of started my love of cycling in the city in Milwaukee. And then, um, we took a trip to Amsterdam as a friend of ours got Ugh. married. And I feel like the only way that we can really move towards a more Amsterdam-ish, you know, less car dependent society is to help. We can't do it all in one day, right? We've got this car culture, it's set up, but we've got to instill that appreciation and those skills in the future yeah, so that these kids grow up and be like, this is how, this is how it should be. And so, you know, we're creating that pipeline of of people that are aware and want to, you know, work on this, continue our work.
0: Well, I loved how Cadence really was instrumental in creating a pathway or a pipeline, as she kept referring to it, for women and women of color to get on a bike. And I feel like she just runs with that and continues that in everything that she then does thereafter with her involvement in the Tour of America's Dairyland, in her advocacy work with the Bike Federation. Um, and really your advocacy work around the city for bike safety and getting kids involved in biking. Like it stems from that. What's the word?
1: Awareness, the awareness that women need to feel empowered on bikes.
0: We have to
2: create that, that pipeline it goes back to the kids. It all goes back to, we do it for the children, right? Like creating those opportunities for cycling. Um, it's, it's an expensive sport and it's a very elite sport and, um, Really dominated by white men. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I would just really love to see more women and more people of color um, in the sport. And I'm working best I can to create those opportunities to welcome, to specifically invite people to participate that wouldn't mm. normally have access and really focusing on, for me, juniors. And a lot of it is because I have two young girls myself. So it's like the combination of brown girls on bikes, very few. <laughs> and how else can we create a pathway, a network, uh, more kids for them to ride with. Um, so, you know, bringing cycling, safe cycling to schools is part of it, you know, creating that love for bikes and this opportunity for bikes, you know, just in everyday life, right? Mm. Not mm-hmm. necessarily even, and then hopefully, you know, out of some of those kids that are now like, getting around by bike, they find that they love it and they want to compete, you know, and the finding an, uh, finding an entry point for them. Like what's accessible, you know, who, how can we get you a, a bike, a, your own machine that can compete? You know, how do we find a team that you'll fit in with and be able to flourish and grow with, and then create these opportunities throughout um, a lot of times they're just race opportunities aren't there for them because they're just not a critical mass. So how mm. can I help grow this? This critical mass of cyclists, young cyclists
1: of color. You know, I think because I'm not a part of the cycling community yet, <laughs> um, you're right. It's absolutely a sport that would exclude folks that don't have access to the machines, the equipment, but then also, you know, getting to races and places to, to do the thing. So you're like totally blown my mind with, and, and so this is what's kind of next for you is, is creating opportunities for young girls of color.
2: Yeah. I'm at, but I'm, right now I'm actually working on just creating a pipeline or a place that's inviting to novice women to ride women of Mm -hmm. all colors. Right. So like cycling is such a male dominated sport, right? Like you think of the tour de France, it's like a bunch of guys, right? Like where are the women that's actually coming this year? And I'm really excited about it. And a lot of these other, but, and it's been there before, but you know, like there's a lot of these big marquee races that are filled with professional men, cyclists and amateur men. And then there's like, and then there's a little something for the women. And until very recently, prize money for women was like pretty much non-existent, a fraction of what men get. And that's, Hmm. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised. That's how many things in the world are right now. And we're really working hard to, you know, create equity and, you know, align those more But I am now working with the Tour of America's Dairyland, which is an 11-day stage race in its 14th year here in Southeast Wisconsin. And it's actually preceded by Super Week, which was around for, I believe, like 40 years before that, before my time here in Milwaukee. So Milwaukee does have a pretty, and Southeast Wisconsin has a really strong tradition in bike racing. I mean, Trek, bikes, they're here. This is their home. Wisconsin is their home. But The Tour of America's Dairyland in the past few years has become one of the leaders in giving equal payouts, prize money to women and men. And I'm really proud of that. And it's great to see. And we are now making more strides in... Create, and they're also great at, at doing equal race time for men and women. Mm. That a lot of times what will happen is men will get 45 minutes and women will get 30 of the same racing category and ability. And you're kind of like, is that fair? Nah, nah. Yeah. So now we're getting, we're really working towards making that more equal and really creating a pathway to welcome novice riders, novice, meaning like you are new to, to racing, maybe not new to bikes. Cause you've got to get to a certain level to be comfortable to race. And what we do here is criterium racing, which is a very American style of short circuits, like a mile ish and really fast. Like
0: mm. well, like the downer, is that the downer? Loop? The, downer that classic, the, de- yeah. the definition yeah. of a criteria?
2: Yes. Yeah. A criterium, criteria street roads, criterium. closed course, um, short and super fast. It's really fun. I mean, kind of think like F1 stock cars on bikes, you know, (laughs) really fast Um, and really, really fun. But it's hard to get into this sport. Right. And especially if you're a woman and we can't really say, hey, we need you know, we want to create more room for professional women cyclists. If we don't also focus on creating space for them to enter the sport, novice categories where we're specifically saying, hey, you know, this race is for you come get your race legs on here. Toad is very unique in many ways, because it's 11 days. So there's a lot of local races here and there, but you get one chance, right? So you're racing, you've done, you finished your race, you've learned toads 11 days. So you can race one day in one city, learn something about yourself, and then put that into action the next day. So it's kind of like, you know, boot camp for some people, or you have this ability to be like, hey, for 11 days, I can learn and practice and like, improve or just learn something about yourself, get some new skills um, in racing. And I've really been trying to boost the availability of novice race categories for women and also to get more women involved.
0: This is kind of what we're talking about with this podcast, right? Shelly, like how do you, if you're on the sidelines and you kind of want to dip your toe in or you want to get in but it's going so fast, you know, like to use the race metaphor, they're flying around the corners so fast. How can you, how do you get in? Where is it? Where is there a welcoming entry point for you? You know, this is what she's trying to create for women and for women of color in the bicycling community. But I feel like that's a metaphor for kind of in general, what she's doing is just bringing in people who want to be a part of something and who don't know how to, don't know how to do it. She's creating that pipeline for them. I have a friend who this and
2: this absolutely blows my mind. Her name is Aisha McGowan. She is the very first African-American professional road cyclist. She's 35. This just happened in like the last two years. Wow. wow. Like it's mind-blowing. When I first met her, she was, I actually met her at a black girls do bike event. Um, and she had come in and she was visiting cyclists. She was sponsored by, I believe the bike fed that year. She was coming to race the tour of America's dairy land. She stayed with me and we just became friends and her, Thing was, I'm my goal is to be the first African American female pro cyclist. And I was like, what? There isn't one already? And then I started like thinking about it and I was like, yo, this is mind blowing. And she did it. And uh, yesterday she was racing in Belgium. Oh, wow. She's on Live Cycling. Yep. Professional UCI international team now. And I'm so, so proud of her. But she has created um, wonderful opportunities for women of color. And she actually just last weekend had her second annual The Abundance Summit which is a live, live but online summit to connect women cyclists of all different disciplines. Oh, actually not just women, people of color in the outdoors, mainly focused on cycling. And um, I have really enjoyed working with her and learning with her and just like navigating this this mission to make it more diverse in cycling. Mm, mm -hmm. More accessible. More accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, it's, and, and not just on a professional level,
1: I want to go out this summer and support that team at the Americas, the Tour of Americas, Dairyland. Because wow, and that's what I can do. I might not be able to, you know, get in there and and change the biking world, but I can go be a spectator specifically for that team of Black women who are entering their first professional race. Mm -hmm. So that people know this is worth supporting. These are these are cyclists worth sponsoring give them money because people want to see them racing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then did you even know black girls do bike that that exists? Like how cool is that? Yeah.
1: Really awesome to know there's a national organization promoting biking for women of color. Really cool.
0: Because she said it is an elitist sport, you know, it's expensive to get into. You have to have all the, all the things, the bike, the way to get there, the travel costs and whatnot to be a racer. But
1: well and let's be let's be honest, you gotta be feel safe biking in the, the places you would bike to.
0: Yeah, yes, <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: And there's power in groups.
0: Yes, yeah. And oh that story that she told about the woman who came up to her the race. I was in Manitowoc last year and a woman came up to me
2: on her cruiser bike and said like this she was a young black woman and said this is amazing I never knew that bike racing like this existed in the United States and she goes and then I look out and I see that there's an entire team of black women and she was like whoa and I was like yeah Mm. thank you for noticing because that is rare and it's amazing it like makes me tear up because I think like we did it you know like and then those women were able to go on after this and influence more people. And they came from all over, all over the country and went home and were able to just take the skills that they learned and, and they're, and they're confident now and like take them to their organizations that they're part of and do more recruiting yeah. and share their information. And like I mean, that's how it goes, right? Yeah. You're just connecting and you just have to create that opportunity for a few people. And it just grows
1: exponentially. So And she has great advice for how to get started if you're somebody who wants in.
2: Yes. My suggestion would be to volunteer because things are much more fun when you do things with other people. So if you're sitting on an idea, think about something that's related. If it's not already out there, right? Look for something that's kind of related or think like, oh, like maybe this group of people would be interested in this. And connect with them, volunteer, go to an event where they might be and make that connection. Talk to some strangers, see, you know, where they're coming from. And they might be like, that is super. I want to help you with it. Great game on. Um, And so I do, I enjoy meeting new people. I don't really mind small talk because it always leads to like another something fun. And Mm -hmm. I love um, that Milwaukee is often referred to as small walkie. Like you can meet so many people and have so many connections, Mm -hmm. Uh, So I find that if I have an idea or I'm kind of thinking like, does this exist? I'll go and look for an event. Facebook makes it so easy. The internet's so easy Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go find something that might be happening where there might be some like-minded people and just kind of like feel it out and see and like find someone. And sometimes it takes a couple of times, but I've really found that that's the best way is to not do it alone. Mm. Right. And, and maybe there's something that's already started out there where you'll meet someone. I mean, I've had that before. We're like, yeah, I kind of had that idea too. I'm like, great action.
0: Yes, Uh, And one of those is like community
2: cycling. Yep, exactly. You know, like for example, at our school, you know, getting more kids to bike at school and, and then linking with connections at the bike vet and meeting someone else that was a cargo bike parent and saying, Hey, we can bring this bike rodeo to your school. And, this person has a blender that hooks up to the back of their bike. And we're going to get make smoothies by having kids pedal and get all sorts of new, you know, ideas going. Yes. And then suddenly, you know, suddenly we get a call and say, Hey, I have six more bike racks that I can donate to your school because I saw that you had a lot of kids chaining their bikes up to trees and, and yes, like, yes, and to yeah. the fence because you've created such a big, like bike to school community. Mind blowing. Yes. It's awesome. And it all comes out in just like getting out there.
1: I really loved that advice. I think that that is true too for people who want, even people who like want to um, shift careers, say, and don't know where to start. Just volunteer your time at the kind of organization that you want to work at Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see what happens. See who you meet, see what you learn see what opportunities open up. I think that's just a really brilliant piece of advice. Volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. This interview,
0: the whole interview to me was just such a a beautiful example of what being a connector sounds like. Um, and looks like. And we're not, you know, I I wish we could just get this whole interview in here, but we of course are trying to get it down to to 20 minutes or so. So you don't hear all the names that she drops in terms of who she reaches out to, who, who has been helping her along this journey. But she has so many connections along the way from Wheel and Sprocket to the Kegel family, to the bike fed and um, the the wonderful people there who are doing all the work for our trails and the Milwaukee County park system and the, you know, all the things that she mentions um, that's what a connector does. You know, they have their hands in all the pots and they know the people in all the areas. So,
1: so we'll link these awesome resources in the show notes. Mm -hmm because it feels just really important to share this gift that Liking brings to our city, helping remove barriers for kids and kids of color and women to get involved in cycling. I really hope somebody out there that's listening to this recognizes that they too are a community connector and start to use that gift for good for our city in a way that maybe they didn't notice or realize they could. I know that I feel really empowered to bring that gift yes. into the places in my life, the places where I feel passionate, inspired by Liking's example. So if you're one of those connectors out there, reach out to us. Let us know that you were inspired by this.
0: Yes. Yes. So many different biking activities for sure, starting in May and June and you know all the summer rides and summer events that um, you can be a part of. June 4th to 11th is the Wisconsin Bike Week.
1: And the Tour of America's Dairyland the end of June. 11 days of bike races, perhaps in a neighborhood near you.
0: Get out and see some bikes, see some races this summer. You can find more about Lie King and Cadence Cycling if you're thinking about maybe joining some women for a ride at cadencemke.com. Find out about their rides, check out the calendar, inquire about membership.
1: One thing to know too, is that there's opportunities to host international and people from all over the US who come to race at the Tour of America's Dairyland. Sounds like something they're looking for every year. Are people willing to host racers? Mm -hmm. Um, Don't have to feed them, just give them a place to sleep. Great chance to meet new people. And if you have kids, give them a chance to have small talk. Practice small talking with people who come from different places. Oh great! So, tour of dot com, and those races start June sixteenth.
0: Oh, so fun to interview, Liking. So grateful for her gift of. Connecting and just the joy that she brought to this interview and to really everything she does. So thank you, Liking, for loving on our city and uh, giving us the time. Join us on our next episode when we talk to another Milwaukee woman living her cream city dream.
1: Inspiring us all on the way.
0: We hope you're enjoying this as much as we are,
1: and we will see you next time. On Cream City Dreams. Boom.
0: Are you loving the podcast? Oh, we hope so. If you are, do us a favor. Like us on all the socials.
1: We are on Facebook at Cream City Dreams. We are on Instagram at Cream City Dreams. And tell your friends. Share our links on your socials. And maybe
0: most importantly, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.
1: Tell them how much you love
0: us. And if you're feeling even more generous, you could buy us a coffee at the link in the show notes. This podcast is a labor of love, by which we mean we absolutely love creating it, but it's a heck of a lot of work. So if you want to throw us a couple bucks to buy ourselves a coffee, or honestly, if we get more than a couple bucks, possibly some better editing software. We would not stop you. Have we mentioned that we have seven kids between us? So we're pretty much up early before the kids
1: wake up to put this thing together. So
0: coffee would not go amiss.
1: Show us the coffee. And hey, you know some woman doing something inspiring in Milwaukee and you think we should interview her? Please drop us an email, CreamCityDreamsPodcast at gmail.com or head to our website. Let us know about her.
0: And if you see our guests in the wild, be sure to let them know you've heard about them on Cream City Dreams Podcast. And as
1: always, thank you so much for listening. It is a joy to connect with you here.
0: Yes, you're helping us bring our Cream City Dream to life. Boom. Boom. (laughs)
1: Thanks, listeners. We love you.